stargazers, welcome to 7th House Astrology, where I take any topic that is astrological or any topic that is related to the topics of relationship or romance. I investigate under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you guys have joined me for today. So for this week, we are continuing on with the attachment styles, the astrology thereof. This week is going to be dedicated to the avoidant types that are out there. So just to review um, exactly what avoidant types are. So when it comes down to avoidant types, there are more, they are more of the, one of the insecure types when it comes to attachment style. However, being insecure, they still do have one of their strengths. One of their biggest strengths is that they are very autonomous. They're also focused on independence. Um, however, how the strength kind of leads them astray, if you may, is that they tend to push away from people. Uh, yours truly does have experience with this type because actually I am an avoidant. It can get to be so bad to where you're pushing everybody, even people who are of help or who could be um, really of great service, who could be really helpful to you, who could be like good friends or good lovers. It gets to a point where you can also push them away as well, too. And um I mean, a moment of truth for me was um, really just noticing that and how lonely it's been making me feel um, in the last couple of, in like the last year or so. But um, with many avoidant types, avoidant types can actually pop up either from, so the early founding of the attachment style theory, of course, it always linked everything to childhood. You know, being a psychological theory, it linked that, you know, it's like how your, your your parents were in childhood, what you didn't really agree with them in childhood, and how this may have fostered an unhealthy habit. For avoidance, it could be something as their parents were a little too clingy or a little too needy, or as one of my colleagues had mentioned in high school, a, a parent who cares too much. They're like too invested into you uh, when it comes to raising you. I would even say maybe a parent who's like also a little indulgent uh, really can cause for someone to lean more towards avoidance as they move away from that parent. And in astrology, there are patterns that kind of indicate that as well. But uh, really overall with avoidance, um, it's really just, this can come from either childhood, this can come from lack of commitment or, not, or being commitment phobic, if you may. Um, it can also stem, like an attachment style can also change. It can stem from circumstances and environment. So um, kind of like what I've seen uh, with a program that is on OWN, the Oprah Winfrey Network. Uh, it's called All the Single Ladies, and uh, there was one episode that was dedicated towards ladies who were in really great, they thought they were in a really great relationship, and it turned out their significant other was going around and tomcatting or cheating on them. And I could just see when it came to a lot of these ladies, they were very secure when they walked into the relationship, 
either they, you know, after the relationship, they veer towards either anxious or they veer towards avoidant. Many actually veer towards avoidant where it's like, wow, gee, this really bruised my heart. Wow. Gee, this really hurt. And this was a really horrendous experience for me and tumultuous too. I, I, you know, and the, the pairing of this was, I feel like I have to sit on the bleachers or I feel like I have to, I have to take a breather from dating for a long time. I think even one lady said, I need dating classes because I can't really tell one way or another when it comes to men, or she felt, at least she felt that way. And I feel that those are extensions as well of avoidant uh, behaviors as well too. But um, overall, when it came to the celebrity, so um, Stargazers, I'm going to be honest with you for this week's episode, it was really hard to actually find notables who fit this description because a lot of people in Hollywood or a lot of people in the music industry, um, it's just kind of like Hollywood in and of itself. They usually, a lot of celebrities, they usually like to really promote themselves as being as secure as possible. Like there's nothing wrong with them. It's the facade of Hollywood where they have everything, including their love life working for them. And, um, you know, either it's either they're very secure or there are a couple of individuals who fall more towards the anxious side in order to find that security um, that is promoted by Hollywood. But I found two notables, um, one of which was kind of debatable. So there was Sting, uh, the the rock rock singer, the pop singer, rock pop. I mean, he's different genres. But there was Sting, and I kind of felt like Sting really kind of encapsulated this. I I kind of felt like there was an avoidant part of his personality um, dawning from the police. So when when he was in the police... Uh, whereas many group mates tend to try to, you know, get along in the group and try to kind of bond and kind of be a big family, kind of be as one. I kind of felt with Sting with the police, he kind of used his cultural sort of attache type of vibes and his unique sort of style to kind of separate himself from the bandmates or from his bandmates. So in a way, it seemed like he was pushing away or using that to kind of not only cover himself and kind of make himself look a little more superior to his bandmates, but also pushing his bandmates away or kind of distancing himself away from his bandmates. This also seems to continue even into his solo career, where it's like he used this very the yogic, the higher spiritual sort of persona to also push away from fans as well, too. I mean, while he was very appreciative of his fans, very appreciative that people liked his music, it was still of that nature where it's like, I'm pushing away from you because you're not the reason for why I'm creating music or you're not the reason for why I'm writing songs. And so arms more than arms length of distance from you. However, um, I am prone to comparing notes and I was one, I, I kind of uh, had queried to another person to kind of get their idea as to sting. And this individual actually mentioned something that was really kind of, uh, of a good opinion. So um, this particular individual had said that, 
Sting also tends to reveal a lot about himself as well, which I feel is a good point to make because with avoidance, usually if they're trying to keep arm's length of distance away, we're very sparing when it comes to revealing anything about ourselves. Well, in contrast with Sting, I mean, there have been interviews, I think the one interview that comes to mind where um, both he and Trudy Stiles were talking about how they en en engaged in tantric sex and they had an eight-hour lovemaking session. Um, I don't think that it, um, avoidance would really indulge thoroughly in that. That seems to be more of like an anxious style where it's like, hey, we had an eight-hour tantric se session, tantric sex session. Hey, take a look at us. You know, kind of kind of look at us, kind of accept us. Um, I also think, too, um, there have been other interviews where he's been very candid about um, yoga as well, too, which, you know, that's fine. But again, avoidance, I don't think avoidance would reveal so much about themselves or so much about their personal lives. So I kind of deemed, I actually kind of look, when I looked at Sting's chart as well, I'm kind of thinking that actually he's an, the, the other um, type that I'll be covering next week, which is the anxious avoidant type. So definitely stay tuned for next week. Uh, I think we'll be covering Sting, you know, a little teaser. We'll be covering Sting next week. But uh, the other personality that I thought of, and this person, Stargazers, actually came to mind when I read about the avoidant type, um, you know, aside from, oh, my God, this is me, you know, kind of he kind of came to mind as well. And even though he's kind of of controversial opinion, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know much about the guy's life. So I felt like this was even more perfect to cover this man um, for this week's episode to kind of put a blind on the uh, the person and to really fully objectively look at the chart and really kind of gauge the situations, really looking at it at his chart and also the synastry chart. And that person is Elon Musk. Now, Stargazers, I really promise you, I'm going to put some of my political associations with Elon Musk aside, you know, even though I am not his biggest fan and never really was. Um, again, I'm, this is just going to be objectively with the chart and objectively how I feel he is avoidant. But a couple of things that I, you know, before I get into the chart, I find as to why he's avoidant. Well, um, this goes back to 2017, like 2016, 2017. I remember I was actually behind the chair at that time. I, I was a licensed barber. I'm still a licensed barber, but I was actually a, a practicing licensed barber at that time, working for a particular salon. And there was one customer who was just always like, I swear he was, he was a Sagittarian big time. He, he gave me a lot of good Sagittarian vibes. Well, as if it's not enough to live in another country and expand your mindset and expand your horizons there. This guy was really super excited about living on Mars, which Elon Musk had proposed at that time. He said, you know what? We could technically live on Mars. Hey, I could technically build a shuttle. I make cars for a living. I design cars. I'm the head of Tesla. I think we can make this happen. To which, I mean, this guy was like almost bouncing up and down in the chair. He was just like super excited to, you know, be able to go to Mars. 
personally, I didn't really care myself. I, I, while I thought that that was a really novel idea, I really like being on Earth myself, and I would really love to. I'd really love to focus my efforts on cleaning up Mother Earth and living on the planet that we know we can live on. Um, whereas, you know, another planet could give a lot of complications. Well, the same guy about, you know, I kept coming, you know, to the chair. He was always very excited about going to Mars and how he was going to be like the first person to get a one-way ticket to Mars and live, live on the, on the red planet. Well, um, when it was like a couple months later, I remember it was like a very short duration of time. This guy came in and I felt very sorry for him. He was, he was in very low spirits. He's like a little kid whose, whose dreams had just been dashed. And literally it said, well, it turns out Elon Musk said that we can't live on Mars after all. I was like, oh, poor guy. I'm sorry. But, um, you know, apparently he, uh, with Elon Musk, he backtracked and said, nope, um, the red planet doesn't have enough resources for human beings. And on top of that, I don't have the resources to make the, the rocket ship. However, in looking at this particular situation in retrospect, I kind of feel with Elon Musk, this whole thing of, yeah, we can go live on Mars. So this may be a conspiracy theory on my part, behavioral conspiracy theory on my part, but so be it. Um, but my theories to this are that he noticed, and I think even with Elon Musk, he even had a book about living on Mars. But anyway, um, what I theorized was that while he proposed living on Mars, I felt like with Elon Musk, he started to realize how many, you know, he was proposing this in his own worldview to kind of amuse himself and also to kind of gain credentials for himself. But when he noticed how many people were buying into his theories and buying into wanting to go live on Mars and the, the numbers were pretty vast. I mean, even I even had like two coworkers at Denver elections Way before the Twitter scandal, they were reading Elon Musk and discussing theories about him and spending like, you know, instead of spending the day working, they were spending the day talking about Elon Musk's theories. Well, my kind of suspicions are that he knows how, how many people were buying into this. And he didn't like that. It was kind of disconcerting. It was very uncomfortable for him. So the reason why he backtracked was to shove, push, I want all of you away. It's like, yeah, you all are making me nervous. I want you away from me. And unfortunately, the same thing I feel is true with Twitter. Instead of actually looking at who has worked there at Twitter and some of the theories that they could contribute to make Twitter a better platform, instead it was, nope, um, you know, indulging with other people. That makes me nervous. Oh, um, they're more superior than I am or they have superior theories than I do. And learning from them, nope, not going to happen. So push away. You're all fired. Now, like I said, again, this could be a conspiracy theory on my part. It might not actually be true, but this is how he comes. It's for my point in this matter. This is how he comes across as being avoidant. You know, instead of embracing people, you know, embracing the people who want to go to Mars with him. Or instead of embracing those who were at Twitter and trying to learn from those who were working at Twitter, 
it was just all or nothing. It's like, nope, I have the brilliant ideas. You guys go away. It's like, nope, I'm, I'm going to Mars. I, this is going to be my project. You guys are making me nervous. You guys go away. And for all that we know, Elon Musk is already building a shuttle so that he can go alone and go live on Mars alone. But uh, like I said, this is getting into too much conspiracy theory. So um, moving into the chart, you know, so that's how I kind of feel he is avoided and why I picked him for this week. But moving into the chart, it was kind of interesting because, um, I, you know, there are just a lot of different aspects between his sun and his moon that really can go mentioned. And I, I really feel like with Elon Musk personally, um, my conclusion, I'll, I'll draw my conclusion before we get into the chart, but my conclusion is this started in childhood. And I think um, part of the avoidant personality type, how it started in childhood was, first off, he was born of privilege. His mom's a famous model who's now the spokesperson for a cover girl. And, uh, you know, he was born to considerable influence and wealth. And also he's kept considerable influence and wealth. Uh, kind of, I say with wealth, just like with Ivy League colleges, they do give you more of these aspects give you a lot of an insular life where you're not really interacting with other people very often. So it kind of, I feel like that can kind of make somebody a titch more avoidant in this type that, you know, a titch more likely to being afraid of commitment or being afraid of people or being inclined to pushing people away. But the other factor of environment is I feel like his upbringing um, really, or how he felt about his upbringing, we should say, really indicated the avoidance style. So first and foremost with Elon Musk, um, he has his son in Cancer, his moon in Virgo. Um, so unlike many Cancerians where they, you know, Cancerians love to give support, they love to give love and nurturing um, in order to get that love and nurturing back. For this particular Cancerian type, he's very, you know, when it comes to Elon Musk, he's very um, discerning when it comes to giving love and when it comes to giving affection. So already a little bit of an avoidant right there. Not that I'm saying that cancer with a, you know, a Virgo moon indicates this, but I feel like for him, that's one factor involved in the chart. The other factor is his, so if our attachment styles evolve from our moon, you know, our relationship with our mom, because that's the first relationship that we actually achieve um, from childbirth. And then, of course, if it's also reflected in how we can improve via series, and then also if it's, effect, it's also affected by our values with Juno, um, first thing that I do see with a moon in Virgo is that with young Elon Musk, he felt very secure when it came to coming as close to the nuclear family as he could get. You know, basically, um, when it came to the precision of Virgo, the preciseness of Virgo, having a hippie sort of parenting style from either parent or having a very loose ashram based parenting style really did not make him feel very secure nor loved. He wanted, you know, kind of a leave it to beaver sort of situation and scenario. 
You know, I want his mom to be there for him and take good care of him or take care of him and make sure that's her life process until he was 18 years of age. And to have a dad who brought home the bacon, maybe even have both mom and dad bring home the bacon as well. I also see with Moon and Virgo, um, it kind of goes all the way down to even expecting the white picket fence and really expecting to live in the suburbs as much as possible. Will, um, kind of knowing his mom um, being a famous model, there was probably a little, you know, due to the squares with his moon placement, there's a little bit of disappointment with that. The first square, of course, is with uh, uh, Saturn which is actually uh, situated in Gemini. So it makes, it does make a square, but uh, with that square, again, any sort of aspect with Saturn usually indicates. So whether um, Saturn's conjunct your Lumiere or whether it is in hard transition or it's in hard aspect, just let you know, like squares are usually that indicates that the child feels that their, their caregivers are a little strict or they have a lot of pointless rules that really should not exist. Even though the parent may be of better interest, they, they're setting the rules for better interests of the child and trying to put the child first and trying to raise their children right, the child may in turn feel like these rules are pointless, these rules are just restricting, and they're just controlling. They, do, they serve no purpose. Um, this was no different to Elon Musk when it came to his mom. And I kind of feel, you know, being a famous model as she was, she probably, you know, one thing that pretty much kind of sunk in with Elon Musk was, you know, maybe like as a young child, he might have been like, hey, mommy, mommy, I, I, I want to get your attention about one thing, as little children tend to do. She might have turned to him with the, you know, when he was doing the mommy, mommy, and she might have just said to him, you know, Elon I have considerable influence. I know a lot of great people. Uh, your How you behave is a reflection on me. So putting a lot of weight on his shoulders. And uh, that is a considerable amount of weight. Your reputation or my reputation depends on you or how you carry your reputation reflects on me. And then probably paired that with be a good boy and give me a good reputation or be a good boy and reflect my reputation in a kinder light. And already right there, I mean, I could see the restrictions of Saturn with the weight on the shoulders. I could see where it was a lot of countless rules about how he had to be a good boy lest he should let his mom down. The second square that I kind of noticed that was really, that stood out for me as well was that um, uh, the moon is actually also squared Neptune in this relationship. So I kind of looked at that as basically um, any sort of square with Neptune indicates kind of a fantastical relationship. What I mean is that's not fantastic per se, you know, it could be fantastic, but um, fantastical being fantasy oriented. And uh, usually the child feeling as though mom or dad is living in a fantasy realm or they're overtly idealized in childhood or they're overtly um, or they uh, hold overt high ideals for their children. 
In the case of Elon Musk's mother, you know, actually, before I keep continuing with Elon Musk's mother and Elon Musk, I also see this position. You know, one thing that kind of struck me in seeing this position is I wouldn't be surprised if Anderson Cooper also has something similar going on in his chart between his moon and Neptune placement, if it's like in hard alignment. Um, one thing that came to mind was when he was in an interview um, about his mom, Gloria Vanderbilt, he actually um, had said that there was a period in, and a time in his life when he was in his tweens to his teens where there were, uh, there were times where the lights were out, the utilities weren't paid. She was kind of down on her luck. And Anderson, young Anderson, like 13-year-old Anderson Cooper, would come up to his mom and say, you know, mom, you've been offered these jobs like to host the Today Show. You know, maybe you should kind of take them because we're kind of scraping at the bottom of the barrel here only to have, I am a Vanderbilt. I don't need to work. My funds will come to me. With that said, um, that relationship was kind of tested there with Anderson uh, Cooper. He felt like actually at 13 years old, he had to take a modeling gig in order to pay the rent and then also in order to pay the utilities and the bills. So in some ways, he was working not just for himself. He was working for his mom to support her as well and to take care of her as well. But I can imagine having that would put it a huge strain between mother and son or mother and daughter uh, when it comes to these relationships. And quite frankly, I don't, I, I really don't see much of a difference when it comes to Elon Musk's chart. I kind of see that maybe at some point he had to take care of his mom, you know, where his mom was maybe down on her luck and he had to make sure to bring in the funds or find another way to take care of her. Again, um, this is very opposed and not very ideal for him because he wanted the opposite to happen. Um, he wanted his mom to take care of him, you know, kind of be like June Cleaver and take care of him. Um, so to have this reversal may have caused it may have caused him to become a little more avoidant um, and actually even more kind of disgusted with people who rely on him too much because it, it was probably at a very young age where he had to take care of his mom. The other factor of it is not only the reputation part of his mom, but also his mom may have lived a great, you know, may have provided a lot of other rules in raising Elon that were very fantasy oriented, that were very much like, hey, be an ideal son or hey, be an ideal child, when really such concepts really don't exist. So um, with these two factors in place already, I'm kind of seeing where Elon Musk can be very avoidant, especially with the countless rules imposed by Saturn. Um, I was kind of curious, though, Stargazers, um, even though this is like his relationship with his mom, I was curious to see his relationship with his dad, a.k.a. reflected in his son sign. What was interesting is that um, so even though the chart, I, I disagree with its calculations Maybe this is a blind spot on my part, but um, the calculations mentioned that his son is actually squared Pluto um, when Pluto is actually just 27 degrees Virgo. And I'm, I'm sorry, but for me, Virgo to Cancer, that to me is a sextile. So I think what I'll do is I'll blend in a little bit of both the square that the chart had calculated as well as the sextile. 
So when it came to Elon Musk's dad, with that Pluto placement, his dad held considerable power in the family um, and really considerable amounts of influence as well. Young Elon may have really, really looked up to his dad when it came to power and maybe adopted some of those tech, you know, like some of the things that we see with him when it comes to his leadership styles, that may be what he admired when it came to his dad. Um, however, with that squared Pluto, um, his dad was prone to, or at least in Elon's, young Elon's eyes, his dad was prone to abusing that power. And um, some astrologers even say um, maybe even wielding that influence over his mother, which he didn't really approve of. And again, it really starkly contrasted from the nuclear family, you know, the, the loving dad who not only brought home the bacon, but who was loving to his mother, loving to his son, um, or really was loving to his wife and his son. Um, with young Elon, he wasn't giving, he wasn't getting that. And it was vastly disenchanting and vastly disappointing to him. Furthermore, his, um, now that the, okay. So furthermore with, um, Uranus squared, his son, <clears throat> Uranus squared, his son indicated that his father may have had some very radical points of views. Um, radical being that maybe, um, you know, with young Elon, he might've been very interested in science at a very early age, and maybe his father was, oh my goodness, interested in new age philosophy and astrology. What? Um, but something that really could have, or it could have even been a political view that his father had held that really didn't agree with young Elon. And so yet another upset. Um, I just feel with Elon Musk, though, part of the avoidant personalities or part of the avoidant personality that came out in him he was let down a lot of the time, it seemed, by two parents. He was dependent on two parents who would uphold a you know very precise, very idealized version of a family that they weren't really, you know, they weren't providing enough to bring him stability or to make him feel secure. So in turn, what he what he learned in childhood was don't depend on anyone. Just kind of be your own insular insular self. In some ways, I mean, I'm just going to say this, uh, Stargazers, even though Elon Musk is not a big, I'm not a big fan of his, never really was. Um, it kind of made me feel, when I looked at his chart and looked at all these aspects, it kind of made me feel a little sorry for him. Um, yeah, and I can kind of see where that avoidant personality would come up just seeing these aspects. However, um, you know, what he expects when it comes to relationships, when it comes to his moon's position, the one thing that he expected when he graduated from being under the, you know, under being a dependent of his mother and his father, he really started to, he really likes to feel well and secure when he has as close to a nuclear perfect family of his own as possible. So things like having a child before marriage, it's frowned upon. You know, having, I, I don't know how he would view sex, to be quite frank with you, before marriage. I think that would be kind of a contest for him, sex before marriage. 
he might indulge in it, he might engage in it, might feel really great, but does he view that as being a high priority list? I would think not. Again, trying to establish as close to the nuclear family or trying to establish an ideal family would be what matters to him and makes him feel very secure. Um, again, pretty much uh, when it comes to that squared Saturn, um, what he would expect in a relationship is, you know, he would have a lot of highly regimented rules as to how to love him or how his spouse or how a significant other is supposed to love him. And furthermore, um, you know, having squared uh, Neptune, you know, just with all these aspects that actually have come up between his sun and his moon, he tends to idealize relationships, um, tends to go after very pretty people who look the part and who are great for the part, but expects the individuals to act the part, um, you know, especially with the Pluto um, moon sort of, or not Pluto moon, the Pluto sun sort of relationship. It, he expects everybody to act the part and he expects relationships to go his way and his way only. If it's not going his way, if everything's not perfect, boom, I'm, I'm like, I'm shoving you away. We're, we're giving, I'm giving you distance. And this distance can be either um, be an emotional coldness or it could be just literally dismissing or breaking up or, you know, really ruining a potential relationship that could actually happen and that could actually be really good for him. Also, I do have to note, Stargazers, with his placement in Juno, there's Juno's placement. Juno's placed is actually, in, you know, Juno's placement in his chart is actually in Leo, which I thought was very, very interesting. You know, knowing that this man has had so many positions of leadership, having Juno and Leo, um, I would say that the expectations or his expectations and values are, well, yeah, that he's the boss, that he's, that he's king of the jungle, that, you know, his word flies. But what he values in marriage is somebody who not only is attractive, but also, um, you know, somebody who will let him kind of be the boss in his life. I think that's really what he ex comes to expect. Um, the more evolved version of Juno in Leo, however, is someone who can also look for another person who has a big heart and who's very heart-centered and can make the relationship work out in turn. But I think this, yeah, I'm the boss. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in charge of this relationship, I think can really cause more distance in the relationship and more strain than really what it should be um, in this regard. So stargazers, even though I d identified that uh, Elon Musk is avoidant due to childhood factors. Now, like I said, not knocking his mom or dad, his mom and dad may have been very supportive and really very lovely to him. But how, you know, our chart really reflects when it comes to our mother and our father and our chart, we have to keep in mind it's how we feel our mom and dad, you know, how we feel about our mom and dad raising us. Um, I, I'm just going to say one last example of this. A good example, um, being an avoidant myself, I have Saturn right conjunct with my moon. And growing up, I did feel like my mom was very obsessed with me going to college um, and obsessed with me getting a higher education, even though I really didn't have an interest in that myself. 
Um, I really felt like the standards that she set were really strict. Um, I mean, the, the only lax part about it was, you know, do your best in school. But otherwise, there were very strict standards. It's like I was afraid of letting her down, first and foremost. Then it was letting my dad down, secondly. But, um, you know, in dealing with the situation, my mom had the better interests at mind, you know, especially dealing with a child who had a learning disability. You know, the fact that she was trying to inspire me to go to college and seek a higher education. Um, she was trying to give me a chance. And I'm, I've come to learn that growing up and come to learn that in adulthood. Um, but at the time, you know, especially at 18 years old, I kind of felt like, and also just throughout my teens and twenties, I just uh, kind of felt like there was just too much of a, a strict, restrictive sort of friction going on between me and my mom. But I mean, she meant well in the regard that she actually gave me a chance. She wanted me to fulfill my fullest potential. And because I felt very stupid and very dumb and very slow as a young child, um, she wanted me to feel competent and smart and able to take on the world. And not only that, but able to take on the world with a critical mind, critical thinking skills and hire more cerebral skills that would come from a college education. So um, again, like I said, it's not because it's not my chart is revealing that my mom was a terrible mom. No, she was actually a really great mom. It's just how I felt about her style. And sometimes how I still feel about her style might be in contest there. So just thought I would add that so it's not like, you know, oh, Elon Musk's parents were terrible. No, they're probably, they probably had his best interests in mind. It's just how he felt about it. It wasn't, it wasn't matching what was actually happening. But since I established that his avoidance really kind of came up within childhood and childhood themes, I did want to take a look at the sinistry relationship between, um, you know, his relationship between himself and Grimes, a singer-songwriter Grimes, and, you know, kind of identify if there were some patterns that avoidance, so aside from avoidance, the main, I think the main lesson for avoidance is to really try to be open to other people as much as possible. But aside from that, what else could we learn from his relationship? And Stargazer, I do have to say, I felt very sorry for Grimes when I saw this chart um, because there's a lot of shutting her down, a lot of Elon Musk establishing dominance. Um, you know, I'm sure that there was there were some things in the relationship that did work, but there were other things that were just like, oh man, this is this is sad. Um, but again, this is, this is great for, like I said, a learning experience to dive into. So, um, with that said, the first thing that actually popped out with me was Ashley or not Ashley, sorry, was Grimes's sun and moon placement. So her sun is actually conjunct her moon. Her moon is actually in Aries. So what she expects is for somebody to be there for her singing songwriting career. You know, to be supportive, to be a number one fan in the audience, to listen to her music, to like her music. And really with Elon Musk, unfortunately, due to the fact that 
this was this placement, the sun moon placement was actually opposed his Pluto placement. She didn't get a lot of that from this relationship. Um, instead, she got a lot of she had to mold herself in order to fit the relationship with Elon Musk. And in turn with Elon Musk, you know, while the sexual attraction was very high between the two of them, it was obvious he was the one who was dealing the cards in the relationship. It was his standards, his means. Don't, don't combat this. Don't, you know, don't like, you know, miss the boat on this one type of thing. With her Mercury placement also being in Pisces. So her son or Mercury placement are in Pisces, which to me means that communication is full of getting to become more emotionally close and compassionate towards their partner. And especially since Pisces is in her third house, I could just see this where she's trying to speak with him and talk with him and try to like get really close and really intimate and personal only to have where this is squared his, um, his Neptune placement. And I just kind of see this, you know, Neptune placement where he mainly just saw an ideal in Grimes. He saw that she was very, not only very talkative, had a great voice, had great music, but also that she was very pretty. Um, and also this has squared his um, Jupiter placement where, again, um, high, two highly, idistic, highly, highly idealistic planets. Try saying that 10 times that fast. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's in relationship to two highly I, idealistic planets. And I think really more than anything, she started to realize that it was more of how she looked and he was expecting more of her to behave like the wife who expects her husband to bring home the bacon. So what made me really sad, and I, I can identify with this, it's almost like he shut her down a lot of the time when she would speak. Or when she would express herself fully, he kind of shut that down with, you know, you know, kind of putting ideals of what he wanted from her onto her. I've had personal experience of this before, Stargazers. It freaking hurts when somebody does that to you. Because when you communicate and when you feel comfortable to communicate freely and communicate your soul and communicate you, only to have like either deadpan silence or, you know, going radioactive silent or worse, just even being shut down, like having somebody say, oh, yeah, well, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. It hurts. It feels like you've just been stamped out. And it really can, I, I can just imagine with Grimes, it really hurt her big time, not just you know, on the communicative level, but also on the emotional level as well, too. I mean, it just it, it deeply hurts when somebody does that to you. And it's deeply disrespectful to guys who love doing that. FYI, that's deeply disrespectful. And you might want to rethink doing that to your girlfriends or doing that to women. If you can't really respect women to change your patterns, maybe you might want to rethink relationships in general and what you need from them. But I already right here with these two aspects, um, I already can kind of see with avoidance, especially with the Pluto 
um, you know, opposition, the sun, moon, and Grimes' chart, I kind of see that a lot of avoidant people tend to take kind of like an all or nothing attitude, which Pluto also represents. It's like, hey, fo focus on what I want. Hey, I hold the cards here. Hey, I hold the key. I'm the one who's in control. I feel like with avoidance, they like to be in control. They like to call the shots over the relationship. And once the relationship is beyond their control and beyond their grasp, that's where either they shut down the individual person or they push them away. That's where they push them away. And I think that really with Elon Musk's Pluto placement, if somebody even has something that's very similar in their sinistry chart, Pluto, again, is that planet of transformation as well as of power. So um, really what I, I urge everybody who has this, use that transformation to transform the baser needs of needing control into something higher. And I find that this is also a good message for avoidance. You know, if you are prone to wanting to have control over the relationship, transform that need for power to something higher, like uh, kind of using that probing energy of Pluto to recognize that, you know, there there's another person and it takes two people to make a relationship. It's not about who has power or who's in control of the relationship. And really the more that you can make room for the other person, for their personality to come through, for themselves to come through, I think that's actually helping avoidance to go into the healthy state. You know, if they can kind of back off a little bit and do away with that all or nothing attitude and really try to open up to somebody and open up as, as they are opening up to you Really, I think that can help with moving towards more healthy, secure relationships as well. And of course, the idealism, perfection just doesn't, I, I feel like a, a lot of avoidance have that idealism, that, that like, you know, square uh, Neptune or squared Jupiter in their chart, especially amongst a luminary or personal planet with the other person's chart. What I usually say to that is that relationships are not relationships are not idealistic and they're not perfect. Um, and I, I mean, I think I can also go so far as to say with Elon Musk, the more that he can revamp his views of wanting a nuclear family, an idealistic family, so to speak, I feel like the more that he could grow because you know what? Families aren't perfect. Um, the beauty of families and the most loving aspects of families are the dysfunctions, believe it or not. I mean, the, uh, talk about irony beyond irony. But I find the same is true with relationships. The, the one thing that you come to really love somebody for are the things that aren't perfect, the things that aren't ideal, and the things that, like I said, are kind of dysfunctional. Um, that's usually the beauty of a relationship. It just depends on the level of dysfunction. I mean, if it's, if it's a, if it's like leveled to abuse, then that's something else. But, you know, like minor misfunction or minor dysfunction, excuse me, is really, you know, what makes a relationship unique. The last aspect that I feel like we can learn from in Grimes and Elon Musk's chart is that his son is actually opposite her Saturn and Uranus placements. Her Saturn and Uranus placements are conjunct in her chart. 
And, um, you know, I feel like this is, he probably feels a little bit imposed upon when she has her brass tacks that she's mentioning for the relationship. And what I mean by brass tacks, like the roles that she expects Elon to play as opposed to what she plays in the relationship and how those roles evolve or how those roles can help to bring the closeness of the relationship together. Furthermore, she also has some very wild ideas, which probably drew Elon Musk uh, to her in the first place. But, you know, in hindsight, when it comes to the whole relationship, it probably not on his nerves because there were times where some of her views may have been a little too eccentric and a little too offbeat for the perfect nuclear family sort of wife or the perfect wife or the perfect girlfriend that he was expecting. So in that turn, that kind of also might've caused him to push away or maybe, you know, kind of deal out his affections very slowly and not really give her the full affection that really she could have, that really she, she really needed above and beyond. Um, overall, I feel like with avoidance, what we can learn from this relationship, it seems like um, we're attracted to the people that we want to escape. Um, I see this a lot with Saturn's influence here. You know, uh, we don't like structure. We don't like our parents being overly strict, but yet by the same token, we're attracted to the people who are, you know, really focused on dedication and brass tacks and having rules and regulations in the relationship all by the same token. It kind of makes me wonder with Saturn and it kind of makes me think with Saturn and relationships that we repeat the things that we don't like in our childhood, which I thought was kind of interesting. But I feel with avoidance, um, when it comes to a certain aspect, like especially a tense aspect or hard aspect with Saturn in the relationship, again, instead of seeing rules and regulations as being pointless and useless and really serving no purpose, kind of give it the benefit of the doubt um, if we don't have rules and regulations and brass tacks to follow by in the relationship, there is no relationship. Um, in some ways, it's like society. If we had no laws, we defunded the police completely. If we defunded all institutions and all structures, we devolve into chaos. And with um, relationships, the same thing. We need the structure we need the rules. We need some regulations, even if they feel like they're pain in the ass. And even if we feel like they're restrictive, um, it's, it's necessary. And I think give your partner, I, I think with avoidance, instead of pushing away when it comes to, oh, wow, you're, you're setting rules and regulations. Oh, this, and usually with avoidance, it usually translates to, oh, you're like my mom. You're being controlling. Push away, shove away. You know, maybe give that person the benefit of the doubt and see that maybe those rules and regulations are necessary. Maybe they'll help you to grow in the relationship. And maybe in turn, you know, what you could do is also mention your rules and your regulations, what you expect in the relationship and have a good, healthy conversation to foster a good relationship, a good evolved relationship. Also with Uranus involved with wild ideas, everybody, so relationships are comprised of two different people. 
whether we know an individual for a long time or we don't. My mom has always remarked to me, she's known my dad for, oh my goodness, 39 plus years. And there are times where she just doesn't recognize him. Um, same with my dad, married to my mom, 39 plus years. And, um, you know, there are times where with my mom, she displays behaviors where he doesn't really know her, even though they've known each other, they've been together for 39 years, they still don't always fully know each other. And the reason behind that is, well, you're two completely different individuals. Um, you're not supposed to know each other, in my view. But, you know, um, when it comes to two completely different people, two completely different people are going to have two completely different mindsets. What really makes the relationship work or what really can make a relationship evolve and grow is to really accept those mindsets, kind of like accepting the dysfunction in relationships as little quirks that are lovable. Accepting somebody's points of view in relationships is something that can be very lovable and something that you can really like about this particular person. I feel like with avoidance, they kind of get stuck in, hey, follow my rules, hey, follow my ideals, follow my regulations, or else, or I push you away. That really, you know, maybe you can, again, giving it the benefit of the doubt, maybe somebody's wild viewpoints can also help you to expand your mindset about life and help you to grow as an individual. Again, also don't be afraid to share your mindsets, you know, your Uranus position as well too in the chart. And again, you guys could have a healthy, very interesting and lively conversation in the relationship. Overall, stargazers, I'm not saying that Elon Musk is a bad person due to his chart. No, actually, I feel with Elon, he could have the potential to grow. I think he just really needs to relook at his ideals and he really needs to look at I think you know Pluto squared the sun um, Pluto in position into his different relationships I feel like he needs to relinquish control a little bit or um, use the need for control to actually evolve deeper into why he needs that need for control maybe you know, with his relationship with his mom and his dad, he felt like he lost control somewhere. Um, and I mean, again, his natal chart indicates that, um, that maybe he felt like he was not in control and therefore he needs to make up for that. Um, maybe to evolve deeper into that and allow yourself to not be, not allow yourself to not have firm control. You know, uh, and also learn how you can be still uh, still be a good, effective leader without having to control or micromanage and oversee every little single aspect of your life. You know, maybe probe into not only that why, but also how you can rise higher when it comes to that. I, I gave one idea of like relinquishing a little bit of that control, but maybe there are higher purposes and higher reasons that may have festered since childhood or that may have festered since young adulthood that have not really been resolved. I think that with Elon Musk, he has that potential to explore that and really evolve. Above all, too, I think that as a scientist and an engineer, he could really come up with some really great insights. He just needs to not pull back and backtrack as much. Um, you know, when you theorize something, um, Make sure that if you want to make absolutes such as, hey, we could live on Mars, 
make sure you have the materials necessary and make sure that you're prepared for that. Uh, also, make sure that you're prepared for the fact that you need to share. You know, your your genius in your head is there to share with other people. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it doesn't happen with total domination. It happens with, you know, you're willing to share with other people and evolving to that state as well. Will stargazers. So, um, actually there's one last thing with his chart before I do sign off. And that is, um, series placement, which is actually in Gemini. So serious placement in Gemini, where he felt like he didn't really have the nuclear family. His family really disappointed him, hence why he's pushing away, hence why he's shoving away. I feel like Ceres, this is where he can nurture himself to where he can be that nuclear family inside himself. And I feel like half that battle would be being a little more playful being a little more fun, using that Gemini energy to be more playful, a little more fun with this. Um, maybe not so inhibiting, you know, maybe loosen up the inhibitions and really just be a little more playful, more fun. And then also maybe via communication, you know, either with yourself or with future partners. I wouldn't say with future partners, like, you know, via communication through yourself, whether this is journal prompts whether this is through um, just kind of encouraging affirmations, encouraging mantras, or just encouraging yourself in the mirror every single day, how to be that nuclear parent to yourself that you may have lacked, how to be that precise and near perfect parent that really you had missed and embodying those ideals. And not just embodying those ideals by becoming a dad and embodying those ideals there. I feel like embodying those ideals for you, you know, let loose, let your hair down, embody, you know, let loose, let your hair down, give it a little bit of an element of play. But like if young Elon, if um, grown Elon were to, you know, kind of find young Elon um, right now, what would you want to say to him? What would you want to do with him? And how would you want to evolve with him? You know, um, what would you want to provide to him in order to make him feel more safe? I feel like this exercise is really great for someone like Elon Musk because um, I'd actually, I actually have tried this exercise. I think it's great for anybody who is also avoidant because it kind of, you know, every time that you embody and you kind of face your younger self and you provide the love that you feel you need to that younger half of yourself, the more that your heart gets nourished, your heart center gets nourished, and the more that you start to feel a little bit more at ease and a little bit more like you're really taking care of those needs that are hard to come by, really. So um, all the way around, Stargazers, I really do hope that this episode was not only informative, but also a little entertaining. And hopefully not too political. Um, if you guys have any recommendations or comments, please feel free to um, contact me at either misek, M-I-S-E-K dot Sandra at gmail.com. On my Instagram page at Sandra dot Again, that's M-I-S-E-K. Or you can also leave a comment um, in the section where you're listening to this particular podcast. 
But above all, stargazers, um, don't be afraid to look up at the stars. If nothing else, it gives us a nice little pause and also brings us, the, it brings us closer to the origins of astrology with those 12 signs that are actually the 12 constellations in the sky. I have actually noticed that not only is it the full moon tonight, but also I feel, I think it's, I think it's Venus that's in the sky. She's actually due positioned south uh, east in the sky, um, in the night sky. So definitely check her out. Um, it's it's an awesome sight to see different planets in the sky. And um, there were a couple nights ago where I did see Mars at the very top of the sky, or what astronomers call the top of the sky. But if you look like straight up ahead, you'll see, you might see it as well. Someone else had mentioned to me there's a green comet next to the moon. I haven't noticed this particularly myself, but this is interesting. And I'm kind of wondering how it's affecting everyone here on Earth. But um, above all, don't be afraid to look up, even if it's just like a pause. And above all, stargazers, between this week and next week, I do hope I find you well. And until then. You can also become a member to this particular podcast, the 7th House Astrology. Visit patreon.com forward slash 7th House Astrology for more details.